In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. So as we turn uh, to the scripture tonight, we are um, to refresh our purpose. And I know that with summer travel schedules, a lot of you were not able to be here last week, which we, we had a lot of folks. Uh, we've actually been growing the last few weeks. You may or may not be aware of this, but ever since we moved from the theater, we've had first-time guests every Sunday except one. And I've got to be honest with you, I'm not really sure how this is working, uh, but we love it. Um, and we love it. It's a great thing. Uh, but we are growing as a church, and so you may or may not be aware, but on iTunes, you can search City Bible Church Baltimore, or on our website, cbcbaltimore.com, you can listen to previous exciting episodes of City Bible Church. And last Sunday, we were specifically talking about our stated purpose and the reality that from Scripture, we can derive, bless you, we can derive a purpose for our lives. How many of you are glad that God created you with purpose? Amen? So we've kind of described that with our big three, connect, grow, share. Or in other words, we're here to be helping people connect with Jesus, grow in faith, and share his love. And we want to talk about kind of specifically, what does that mean? What does that look like? And so tonight, we're kind of, if you're going to take notes, I, I appreciate that some of you are clear in the fact that you've not learned everything yet, and so you take notes during church, that's a good thing. Just breathe. It's okay. Breathe. Little, little, little humor on a Sunday. Uh, so whether you're thumb-punching notes into your phone or using pen and paper the good old-fashioned way, love gives community. Love. A lot of you that may follow me on social media will see the hashtag love gives. is maybe the only hashtag I use. Hash browns I prefer. Um, love gives community. And in the sense of community, in the sense of the word love that we are uh, using tonight, it's actually just three words that mean the same thing. And uh, that might strike you as a little odd. So let's turn to John chapter 13. John chapter 13. And uh, feel free, um, be happy to wait for you if you want to turn um, in your um, hard copy of the Bible because we do uh, believe that the Bible is God's inspired word. Amen? All right, don't shout me down now. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So this is Jesus speaking, and we looked at some of the summaries that Jesus gave us last week, and Jesus was asked what the most important part of the scripture was, and he said to love God with all you've got, and love your neighbor the same way you take care of yourself. We looked at some of the purpose that, God, that Jesus specifically stated that we should take for our lives, and I want to take it one step further. So this is really a part B Part two from, yeah, thank you. Good, glad some of you are awake. Part two from last week, so kind of unfair to those of you that weren't able to be here last week, but building on what we talked about last week, let's look at Jesus' words to us that give us purpose for our lives. Love each other, just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples, my followers. Now, how do we know if somebody is a Jesus follower? Well, if love is a verb, right? It's a state of being and an action, right? 
Jesus uses a specific Greek word for love that is not the Greek word eros, where we get erotic, uh, that was used for both romantic love and also only self-fulfilling love. Uh, nor does he use a platonic um, friendship kind of word that the Greeks used for love, which is where we get the city's name Philadelphia, which is, could use some more love. Um, he doesn't use either of those two street Greek words. Instead, he uses a very specific word, agape. And the very specific word, agape, I highly recommend that you study if you've never studied in your life. It's something that I kind of, at one point in my life, put the brakes on everything else I was doing to try to get to know God, stopped my normal prayer and Bible reading, and spent a year and a half of my life to just study agape and what it means in the scripture and look up which verses in the Bible were using that specific word. And I can tell you, and I went and visited one of my friends from college this morning with uh, Jimmy at D.C. City Church, Pastor Michael Giroux, and... um, My friends from college would tell you that my very personality today is changed, is adjusted, is a little bit different because of that season of my life when I spent a year and a half to just look at the word agape. And here's what I can tell you about the word agape. It is a full, pure love. It is a love that is not loving you for what it can get. If I were to use a a love in God's sense, an agape sense, that's where I get the phrase, love gives. Now, lust gets. Love gives. Lust gets. Right? That's a fundamental difference. In fact, agape, this word that Jesus uses, is specifically used to refer to how God loves us. Here, he's clearly using it to describe how he has already loved them. And used to describe how we then, being changed by God's love for us, our forgiveness of sins, being made clean, being made whole, how we then should be changed and then treat other people in a way that is supernatural, that is not human, that is almost extraterrestrial. See the fall TV lineup and it's all this supernatural, extraterrestrial comic bits. Nothing is normal, right? (laughs) Okay, some of you are not paying attention. So I know some of you are excited about heroes relaunching. Okay, so you know what I'm talking about. So this agape word is, it's like an otherworldly kind of love. It is a, not something that naturally occurs in us, except my mother. So Jesus uses that specific word, and I can't read the scripture without pointing that out. You find that useful information, right? So Jesus says, agape each other. And agape is also when there is a decision that is made, that is, I'm in this for the long haul. I'm going to love you, I'm going to agape you, regardless of what you give back to me. I'm going to agape you, regardless of if you ever change your naughty ways. That's that's what this word means. It's a love that is a commitment. It's not a, ooh, I got a feeling. 
No, it's not Twitter patient. It's not a thump, thump, my heart goes, a bump, bump. It's not that. It is a committed, lifelong love. God love. Now, Jesus knows that this wouldn't be easy, which is why after he talks about this, he says, when I go to return to my Father, I will send another. I will send the Holy Spirit who will help you, who will be guided in truth. Jesus knew this would be hard for us. Aren't you thankful for Jesus? I'm thankful that that is God. God's love. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Now, this is from John's account of the things that Jesus said and done. Let's continue that by turning towards the back of your Bible to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. If you kind of flip all the way at the back, the last scary book is Revelations, which I'm sure will be highlighted in some TV show soon, or Kurt Cameron or somebody. No comment. No comment. So you kind of flip back to Revelations and then just come back a little. First, second, and third John. We're going to start in 1 John chapter 4. You all right? Okay, 1 John chapter 4. And we're going, to, we're going to kind of park here for a little bit. And I want to just give you a heads up that in each of these occasions when John uses this word love, he is using agape. Okay? Are you ready? 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 8, it's on the screen. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another. Let us continue, con- continue to agape one another for agape, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves, and again, agape is the word. That's important. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Verses 9 through 10. God showed us how much he loved us, again, agape. God showed us how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. How many of you... I don't, anyone here old enough to remember Eddie Murphy's Buckwheat? Wookum Panub in all the wrong places. Wookum Panub. <laughs> Maybe you have seen the imitation in humans. How do we know what real... Hey, pay attention, folks. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us. And sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Continuing in the next verse. Dear friends, since God agaped us, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us. And his love is brought to full expression in us. Now, this last phrase is huge. This last phrase is a growing up phrase. Sadly, a lot of the problems that 
the United States has today, I believe, are because the American church has been led by leaders that called themselves pastors, that led the church in such a way as to allow for the eternal childhood of the believer, not calling them to grow. And so now we have people that don't believe in spiritual growth. I am not among them. God loves us just the way we are. And he loves us so much to not leave us that way. He calls us to grow into what we call next steps. Connecting with Jesus, growing in faith, and sharing his love. His. You notice that in our big three? The phrase is not just share love, it's share his love. Does that make sense? It's if we love each other, God lives in us and his agape, his love is brought to full expression in us. And this, the New Living says full expression, other translations use other phrases, but it is literally a growing up word, a coming through adolescence into adulthood kind of word. First John Flipping back a chapter, First John chapter 3, verse 16. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. Let's not merely say that we love each other. Let's show the truth by our actions. Let's not just say it. Let's not just give it lip service. Let's do it. Are you with me? Now, I put these passages on the screen for you, those of you that are taking notes. Philippians 2, Galatians 5, Ephesians 4, and Hebrews 10. Paul writes to the believers in the city of Philippi, agape each other. Again, it's really important. He's not using the Philadelphia word, which would be okay. That would be acceptable. And he's not talking about a husband and wife romance, eros. He doesn't use that word either. He uses the God kind of love word, agape each other. Work together. And I want to remind us that these passages of Scripture, these are words written to real people like you, like me. That means occasionally socially awkward. That means insecurity, that means fear, that means anxiety, that means stress, that means worry, that means arrogance, that means pride, that means lust, that means sin, that means a coming to Jesus and seeking to relate to Him through grace by faith, like we talked about last week. These words are written to people just like us. Agape each other, work together. Work together. It is not up to us to go off on our own and live life on our own doing whatever we please. We're called to work together. Serve one another in agape. Serve one another in love. Make every effort to pursue unity. Innovate, uh, excuse me, innovate. Motivate each other. Don't neglect the gathering of believers. You didn't. You're here encourage each other. Now, I want to I point something out to you. As I studied this, every verse 
that we just looked at is written within a very specific context. Each one of the verses that we just read are about the relationships between believers. Now, there are many verses about our relationships with not yet believers, but this, every one of the verses that we just read, from Jesus telling his followers the context of that conversation and to whom he was speaking and to whom was in the room and what he was talking about, if we took the time to read the chapter of every verse, we just, we don't have that kind of time, right? <laughs> the context of every one of these verses tonight is about our relationship to each other. In fact, I want to get more specific than that. The context of every one of these verses at the time it was spoken was to people that were in the same church together. By definition, a set group of believers that were living life on purpose to share life with each other. So this message tonight is maybe one of the most specific we've had all year because this is a very specific context of this instruction. We are instructed to agape each other. That, that's got some power to it, right? Now, agape each other. Love each other. Let's, let's talk for a little minute. I know we got 15 minutes left, okay? I won't go over. But let's talk a little bit. Love each other. What does that mean to you? What, what does that look like? Little things, big things. Somebody talk to me. What, what does that look like? Caring for a person. Yeah? Absolutely. Anyone else? Helping. Helping someone in need. Uh huh. Getting to know your neighbors, yes. Daniel? Yeah, considering what they think, absolutely. Femi? Being sacrificial. Mm hmm. Yeah. Okay, now, what specific actions? could we do that would do that? Yeah, having a conversation with them. Mm -hmm. That shows love. Yeah? Yeah, help them find a job. Yeah, Alexa? Supporting one another? Absolutely. Uh Uh-huh. Yes? Yes, that's very good. Admitting that we are weak in the same way. Mm-hmm. Very good. Yep. Praying for the prayer request and following up. Excellent. How about listening? Well, y'all know that's been a growing process for me my whole life. Right? Listening shows love. Right? Now, if you love me, listen to me. I'm recording the game on my DVR. If you love me, don't tell me if it's going good or not. (laughs) Listening to someone to show them love. Let's be a little bit more specific for those of you that would be brave tonight. Has somebody in this church shown you love? Tell me a story. 
That's good. Texting you when you're going through a friend in the hospital about to... How many of you know that you can agape by text? We already know you can sin by text. Right? Somebody else. Yes, Justin. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Shoveling manure and weeding to help the community garden. That's great. Cute. Ooh, Lisa Beattie made you a birthday cake. That's good. That's love right there. Right? Daniel? Yeah, not giving up on you, loving on you. Yeah, that's a beautiful thing. Yes, Mariah. Hmm. Talking you through. Yeah, helping you see. That's good. Yes, Monica. Keeping in confidence, loving on each other. That's good. Yeah, Lisa. You got good food then. (laughs) What is it? There's nothing quite like good food when you need it. Yeah. So... We, we also kind of heard in that how, how it affected each person. Yes. Go ahead. That's good. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, Jimmy, let you move in. Yeah. I know that uh, I know that Joe has helped people move, myself included. Um, I know that Jimmy has let multiple guys stay at his place. Uh, there's a lot of love in this room. Are you picking up on that? So we do get it. Right? Now, on the screen, you see a summary from Acts 2 of what Jesus' followers did in response to his instruction. 
and in response to his life. It's easy for me to talk about the medical research that's been done on how you will live longer with more friendships. It would be easy for me to talk about the way that loneliness and living without real relationships will cause you to live shorter. But I'm not just talking about relationships tonight. I'm talking about relationships that are focused on Jesus, that have strategy, that have purpose. Now, we're calling this our life group kickoff, and obviously you don't see me normally in a Ravens jersey. So I want to talk just a little bit about teamwork. You've probably heard it said that life is not a spectator sport. That's true. God did not create you by design. God did not send Jesus to die on the cross so that your sins could be forgiven for you to watch your life go by. Whether you are nine years old or 90 years old, God has purpose for every day. Whether it is your Sabbath day of rest or a day of great purpose, whether you are suffering or on the mountaintop, God has purpose. Life is not a spectator sport. Life is not is also not a me sport. Did you hear that? Now, I know that there are many people in this room that did not ever play team sports and don't care for team sports, so I don't put you through things like this too often, but just hang in there with me for a minute, okay? Now, I love football, but the truth of the matter is is that I didn't love football until after I grow to realize that all the men in my family loved football, and if I wanted to get to know any of them, I needed to learn a little bit more about it too. That's just a part of my life story. One reason I didn't love football was because when I was in middle school, they start, my school didn't have a football team, and I was trying all kind of city sports, all kind of different rec league stuff. My dad would get me into anything. And if there's a sport, I've done track and field events. I've done a lot of stuff poorly. So when I started football, middle school, sixth grade, flag football. Don't judge me. Flag football, sixth grade, and I was, you know, me. Scrappy. Not talented, not big, not fast. Scrappy. And at one point in the game, one of our offensive linemen, and for those of you that don't understand team sports, that's one of the big fat guys that stand in front of the quarterback to try to keep him from getting knocked over. One of those guys got hurt, and the coach looked at me and told me to go in. I know. I don't know what he was thinking. If that big guy is getting destroyed, what do you think's going to happen to me? Now, I went in, came up from the first snap, and got blown up. Some of you know what that means. I got rocked by the guy on the other side of me to the point where I flew backwards. And I promise you, my head was the first thing that hit the ground. Flag football, no helmet. <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't love football. 
But I want to tell you, give you a little bit of an example. I love football now. And one reason that I love football now is because through many, many games with the men in my family, season tickets to college games, uh, University of Oregon Duck games, the Seahawk games, football has brought me gladness, it's brought me sadness. But one thing that I have definitely learned by watching it in person instead of on TV is that it is a chess match. And that's not something that you really get from TV. So you could do what I do, and that you go to Barnes & Nobles and you pick up football for dummies and give it 10 minutes and see what you think. But what you learn is that it's a chess match, that there's always something going on. Now, I played and coached soccer. So I love a chess match with team sports. 11 on 11, I get that. Okay? One thing about football is that nobody would play at the top level of the game unless there was a bunch of people around them getting them to that point. Hall of Fame, NFL players have said that many times over. But something you need to understand is that you cannot, there is no one quarterback that wins a game. That's bogus. Who is going to run the ball? Who is going to catch the ball? Not him. We've seen what happens to RG3. He runs into Haloti, not on his career's over, right? It's a team sport. And the reason that Justin Forsett, the Ravens running back, has a career and has a paycheck today, one of the most God-fearing, wonderful Christian men in all of the NFL, one of the reasons that Justin Forsett has a career is that Justin Forsett learned how to block. Now, Justin Forsett is a running back. And what that means is that he gets the glory, the pictures, the big contract, because he's good at running the ball. But one thing that a running back has to also be able to do is that when the quarterback fakes the run and pulls back to throw a pass, is that the running back has to be able to block one of those big, crazy, fast guys that's coming in to try to destroy the quarterback. Justin Forsett has a career because he learned how to block. He had to learn, he had to memorize plays, a part of the chess set, which could change at the line with a simple change in a movement or a simple signal, and learn how to, now I've got to block the right side, there's going to be a hole on the right side, and I've got to prevent whoever's coming in on the right side to get to the quarterback. Pastor Ben, what are you talking about? I'm glad you asked. If you live life not listening to anybody else, you will suffer broken noses needlessly. The Bible makes it clear. We are to be accountable to each other. We are to care for each other. We are to agape each other. And there can be, whether it is a a worrying, fearful thought that just weasels its way into your brain and you can't get it out. We need other people to block for us. We need other people to call it what it is. We need to have relationships that are established so that when times get tough, we can talk it through and they can help us see what we cannot see. You've heard the phrase about the forest and the trees? It's a whole lot easier for somebody else to see 
what's going on in your life. And with established relationships, relationships over the long term, what happens is somebody else can say, I know that you feel like things are going that way, but it's actually not that bad because I have seen that in this way and that way and this way, you've been getting better and things are not so bad and you're actually stronger than you feel like you are and they can block for you. They can help you remove a negative thought. Is this making any sense? Now, should you give me three minutes? Three minutes. How does this connect, grow, share thing work? We connect by gathering on weekends for worship to receive and respond to his love. We grow by meeting in small groups for prayer, learning, and sharing life. We share by living like Jesus and sharing his love every day and everywhere. How, how does this spiritual growth thing look? Let me describe it real quick. When you grow into a full expression of God's love, here's how it looks with the connect, grow, share. When I'm connecting... On Sundays in the big meeting at weekend worship, I should be growing in my intimacy with God. Into me, he sees. I grow in my intimacy with God. In small groups or in my relationships, discipling relationships in the church, I should be growing in my community with insiders, with believers. That There should be growth I should have life-giving relationships, people that encourage me, people that I like to be around. There should be some growth. And when I serve and when I share, what will happen automatically is that I will grow with influence with outsiders, meaning people that are not a believer. Now, we're focusing on this idea of spiritual community. Here's what I'm talking about. Community, the intentional development of meaningful relationships based on God's purpose principles, resulting in each person having a sense of belonging, acceptance, and significance. This is very important because if you look at this filter, you can clearly identify rich relationships are not on God's purpose and principles. What does it mean to belong, to have a sense of belonging? To, oh, sorry. To belong means that I'm a part of something where I can give and receive. A small group is not about you coming to just listen to somebody else talk. It's where I'm a part of something, where I can give and receive, where I can feel love, acceptance, and affection, where I'm cared for. To belong means I am not useless. I can make a difference. I am important. Now, how many of you think that sounds good? Does that sound good? There are an amazing amount of benefits to healthy spiritual relationships. And we heard about those benefits tonight. But I want to tell you something. That does not happen on accident. People make decisions to agape each other. And people make decisions to be in the same room with others so that those relationships can develop. Now, you can grow in your walk with God and experience this kind of community in many, many different ways, through giving and receiving. So for example, Brian, Ronald lead Celebrate Recovery small groups in the prisons. Even through giving in a small group setting, they are growing, right? Melinda and 
um, Melinda and Ed and Carol walk through the purple book together. Look at the Jesus and the, and the questions about Jesus together. You grow together. That's a way that we grow together, right? Ron and Lisa, family Bible study in their home and with the neighborhood and next door neighbors and sometimes people that are believers, sometimes people that are not believers. You grow together. That's, grow, that's growing in community. Jimmy was with his friends that were not believers, a story that he told tonight, those friends were not believers, uh, some from other religions, some atheist and agnostic that had questions. And what Jimmy said is, hey, and instead of me trying to just answer everything, let's sit down and read it for ourselves together. I'll make you dinner. And that's what he did for weeks. That's what that story, I'll make you dinner. And then let's just sit down and read it together and then talk about what questions you have. There are many Many different ways that you can grow in community. It can be one-on-one. It can be a group of three. It can be... They're, 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 the fact of the matter is, is that this church has a ton of small groups. It's just... It's not about a specific definition of what that means and what that looks like. It's about, do you have relationships with people that are focused on Jesus that are moving forward? Does that make sense? relationships with Jesus that are moving forward. Uh, if you're one of our small group leaders uh, or host homes, will you stand just real quick? Okay, so Ben and Kristen are out of town. I think Abby's downstairs. So right now, there, and there's many ways to have community, but just for the sake of time, Justin and Becky in their home, Chris and Abby lead a small group, mostly young professional age folks in that small group. They don't let me come, I'm too old. Um, but that is a great, thriving group. The Beattie family in their home for a long time have been doing Bible study. Rebecca and I uh, do small group in a variety of ways. Any of us would love for you to come and be a part of our group, okay? It's the fall. We're kicking off new groups. Yes, Daniel. Yes. <laughs> yeah, on the Morgan campus. That's great. Let's all stand. We're going to close in prayer. If you are looking for a small group, please get a hold of one of the people that you just saw stand. But the most important thing is let's go into this fall with a determination that we're going to build, intentionally build relationships with each other where we agape each other, where we love each other. Does that sound good? Yeah. Let's pray. God, I thank you so very much that you love us, that nothing is too hard for you, and that you want us to be together, Lord, to laugh together, to cry together, to get real together, to be able to get together on the workplace, on the campus, in, the, uh, in our homes, on the streets, in restaurants, wherever we can, whenever we can, to get together and love on each other, that it is, we can have face-to-face contact and experience your kind of love. I thank you for that and for new small groups this fall and for all the ways that you bless us. Lord, I pray that you would give us your grace and peace as we go tonight. In 